You're listening to the Pro Bono Happy Hour. I'm Rena Glazer. Welcome back, and thanks for joining us. Today, we'll be sharing with you the debut episode of the PBI Podcast Network's new program, CLO and Pro Bono Series. CLO stands for Chief Legal Officer, and the program will be exploring the world of in-house pro bono at corporate legal departments. We hope you enjoy the conversation, and we'll see you next time on the Pro Bono Happy Hour. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Lipscomb, Director of Strategic Communications for PBI. It is my pleasure to welcome you to the inaugural episode of Corporate Pro Bono's CLO's and Pro Bono podcast series. Corporate Pro Bono, or CPBO for short, is PBI's global partnership project with the Association of Corporate Counsel. CPBO works with hundreds of legal departments and their CLOs, or Chief Legal Officers, on their pro bono efforts and administers the CPBO Challenge Initiative, the only industry-wide standard for measuring and benchmarking in-house pro bono. In honor of the 10th anniversary of the CPBO Challenge Initiative, we're thrilled to kick off this series of interviews with CLOs of Challenge Signatories. Our first interview is with Craig Silliman, Executive Vice President of Public Policy and General Counsel of Verizon Communications. Among other topics, Craig spoke about his department's pro bono efforts and why he is personally so passionate about access to justice. Have a listen, and we hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Craig. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Let's get started. How about you tell us a little bit about yourself, your legal department, and the pro bono program there? Great. Well, Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So my name is Craig Silliman. I'm general counsel and head of public policy for Verizon Communications. As you probably know, Verizon uh, spans across a wide variety of businesses. We're best known for our wireless business, but we also provide broadband services in the northeast of the United States. We have global services for enterprise and governments around the world, and we have a new media business made up of companies like AOL, Huffington Post, TechCrunch, MapQuest, and others. Um, I've been with the company now for almost 20 years in a variety of roles. I'm coming up on uh, complete my second year as general counsel and feel very privileged to uh, lead an organization made up of almost 1,500 people spanning across our legal department, our public policy and regulatory affairs group, and our security department. Uh, about 500 of those individuals are lawyers and many other legal assistants and and other talented professionals uh, across the organization. One of the things we're very, very proud of is our pro bono program. We celebrated our sixth anniversary last year of our pro bono program, and we have a great participation rate here at Verizon. We have across the department uh, almost 400 people participated in 2015. Almost 70% of our lawyers in the United States uh, participated in at least one pro pro bono project uh, last year. And in many of the areas where we have big concentrations of lawyers, for example, our headquarters in New Jersey, in our New York offices, in our offices in Chicago and Georgia and California, we have well over 70% participation rates in some uh, offices at 90% and 90% and above participation rate. So very, very proud of our pro bono program and the participation in it. 
So why is pro bono so important to law department leaders, to the business community, to legal department and legal staff, to the communities that you serve? And what are some of the benefits of pro bono? You know, I, I think it's important for a couple of different reasons. I think first, just looking at it as as members of our society, you know, here in the United States, we're a nation of laws. And, you know, if we go back to our, our old uh, poli-sci classes, uh, we talk about the social contract. We all give up certain amount of our liberties in order to live in this nation of laws. But that only works if all of us feel like we are treated equally in the eyes of the law. It only works if we all feel like we have equal access to justice and equal representation. So I think it's vital that just from a societal perspective that everyone feel that they have equal access to justice and that in fact they do have equal access to justice. If they don't, or if people even perceive that they don't, then the whole basis of our nation of laws begins to break down. And I think it's easy to take for granted the the peace, the prosperity, the order of our society that allows us to start and operate businesses, that allows us to live our lives. Uh, and we, we shouldn't take that for granted. It's vital. Um, and it's a great privilege to live in a society like this. But again, it comes back to equal access to justice and everyone having equal rights in front of the law. So the, the second then area, I think the reason it's important is us as lawyers and us as a, a legal community. I think as part of the legal community, it's incumbent on us more than anyone to ensure that equal access to justice and that equality in front of the law uh, for a, a society to work well. But we also, as lawyers, are treated in a privileged way in our society, quite literally. Right, Our communications are treated as privileged. We are given certain benefits and, and granted certain uh, privileges in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of society. But with that comes an obligation. I think that obligation is to ensure that we're not just zealous representatives of our corporate clients or our law firm clients, but that we take the time to make sure, again, that everyone in all walks of life and all parts of our society have equal access to justice. And then finally, I just think at a basic individual level, I think each and every one of us as individuals um, owes something to, to others who may be less fortunate than ourselves. And I think it's easy, again, to forget um, for those of us who are lawyers, that often means that we have jobs, we often have good jobs that are well-paying, and it's easy if we are interacting with many people like ourselves to lose sight of how many people in our society are hurting, how many people really are going without. And it's easy to say, I think we've all worked hard to get where we are. I think I've worked hard to get where I am. But I had the wind at my back. I had a lot of advantages. I didn't suffer hunger growing up. I didn't suffer abuse. I lived in a household that was supportive, that valued education, that that pushed me along. And again, it's easy to take for granted these things, but there are many, many people in our society who don't have those supportive environments, who do go without, who do live in abusive situations. And I think for those of us who have come up without having to climb over those fences and leap those hurdles to, to get where we are, we owe it to others amongst us in our society and our communities to make sure we're helping out and, and taking what we've 
been very privileged and, and benefited from in our society to help others who've been less privileged and, and had a less easy course than we have. So I think as a, members of society, I think as members of our legal community, and I think just as individuals, it's really important to find ways to give back and particularly in this particular area of pro bono, to give back in ways that are all about ensuring equal, equal access to justice and equality in front of the law. Your department is a signatory to the Corporate Pro Bono Challenge Initiative. Why is being a signatory important? You know, I think it's it's incredibly important for for all of us in any area of life. Right? We we get busy. There are lots of demands on our time. There are lots of demands on our attention. On any given day, you know, I personally have lots and lots of things coming in across the legal department, across the you know pu- world of public policy, the security issues that come up, and it's easy then for things like pro bono to fall to the wayside, right? It's easy to see those as the things that, well, we get to this when we have free time. And signing up to something like the CPBO challenge is a way of putting a flag in the ground, both as a statement to community at large, to society at large, is saying we're going to do this, but also as a reminder to ourselves to say, hey, we've committed to this, and it can't just be the thing we get to when everything else is ticked off our to-do list. It's something that's important that needs to stare me in the face every day, and I need to create the time for it. I need to make the space for it. I need to make it a priority. So I think it's important as a statement of our priorities. It's a statement that Verizon is committed to this. It's a statement to the, our entire organization that we're committed to it. But it's also like a mirror staring back at us, reminding us, don't lose sight of this. Don't let it fall to the wayside. Don't forget to make this a priority along with everything else. As a chief legal officer, what role do you play in encouraging pro bono in your department and the greater legal community? You know, I think in in many ways it's the same thing about that public statement of commitment. People throughout the organization are busy. They have a lot of demands on their time. People are all working hard. And they're looking for cues from me and, and other leaders to say what is important. And what I can do and what I must do is say, this is one of our priorities. Yes, serving our clients is important. Yes, being a zealous representative of the company is important. Those things have to get done day in, day out. But pro bono is also is important. And I'm looking for people to participate. I'm looking for people to make the time to do this. And we all do this. We all look at what we're being measured by, and that's what we spend our time on. Uh, and we look at what our management chain is focused on, what they're saying, what they value is as important, and and we tend to take that on as well. And so for me as the general counsel to say to the organization, this is one of my priorities. It's one of the things I want you to spend time on, I think is vital for really giving people both the imprimatur and the kind of nudge to make sure that they carve out the time to to spend on pro bono. You talked about pro bono being something that can be measured and using the challenge as a tool for that. Within that context, what goals have you set for the legal department and the pro bono program? You know, I think I'll answer that too. I think in order to really have something concrete and objective, 
you have to have metrics that are measurable. And so what we do is we set objectives on level of participation by the the members of our legal department. I when we started this, I talked about some of the the percentage levels uh, that we have for participation. And the reason I know those is because we measure them every year. We set out objectives. We say we want X number of people to participate, and we measure not only the entire legal department, but each individual office against those objectives. So I think that's that's important. And it's a way of of sending the message to people. We want them to participate and and of then holding people to that standard and creating a little bit of competition between offices to uh, show who who has higher levels of participation. So I think as far as a metric, um, that that's a way of holding ourselves to account to make sure we're actually doing it. But of course, the end of pro bono isn't participation rates, right? The participation is about delivering end result, which is touching people's lives, right? That's the real goal. That's the real objective of what we're trying to do. And while we need to to have participation rates to kind of get people out there, ultimately, I don't ever want to lose sight to the fact that the ultimate goal, what you really want to do at the end of the day and really see is how someone's life has been affected. And that's the great gratification of this. We have a, a lawyer on our team who, who's just wonderful. And you know, she she gives me a lump in my throat every time I hear her speak about her own personal experience because she grew up in a foster care system. She was in and out of schools. She was homeless at times. But she ended up going back and getting her GED, eventually going to college, getting a law degree. And when she talks about this, what she talks about is the people who touched her life in various ways along the way many of them in the corporate environment who showed her an alternative path and showed her a way that she could take control of her own life and helped her do that. And you see someone like that and you say, this is someone whose life was radically changed by someone reaching out, taking the time to invest in her when she was young in pro bono and other things. And we may never know how our pro bono efforts change someone's life in 20 years from now, they'll be in a different situation because of what we did. Ideally, you do know, but ultimately that is the reason to do pro bono is to in some way positively impact someone's life, give them a leg up at some point when they needed it, open a door for them when, when that made all the difference. And that, you know, is the real goal for me of, of pro bono. Right. Speaking of personal experiences, how did you initially become involved in pro bono? And as you've advanced in your legal career, what role has pro bono played? You know, I first, uh, I'd say I have been interested in you know, outreach to people uh, in various ways for, for a long time. After, between college and law school, I, I went into the Peace Corps. But I first really experienced pro bono uh, at Verizon. Um, Verizon had begun to invest in it, and it, it just it struck me for all the reasons that I articulated earlier as an important thing to do. Is is I was striving, building my career, realizing that I had been tremendously uh, privileged to come out of law school, get a good job, do things that were interesting and intellectually stimulating, and 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 also allowed me to support my family. That. 
this was a way that I could give back with my unique legal skills and that I was in some ways uniquely positioned as a lawyer to help people in certain areas. So I experienced it through Verizon. And one of the reasons I'm in my role now committed to continuing Verizon strong pro bono efforts is because I saw that having the company had set up a pro bono program made it so easy for me to just slot into given programs and do things. And for that, I'm tremendously grateful to to the folks here at Verizon on our team who spend an extraordinary amount of time working to get all these programs set up, whether it's uh, our street law programs, our work with the New Jersey Law and Education Empowerment Project, some of our U visa programs, our work with uh, veterans. All of these programs take a huge amount of work to set up our clinics in a box. But what it does then is it enables lawyers and others in the department to really slot right in quite easily, fit it into busy schedules. And so that that benefited me and made it very easy for me to get involved. And we want to keep it going to, to make sure that other people can get involved quite easily as well. Uh, I know this question can be hard to answer, particularly if you have a lot of projects going on. But are there any um, pro bono efforts of which you're particularly proud or have been particularly meaningful? <laughs> You know, it's it is one of the things. Just like we we say, we love all our children equally, and <laughs> right, yeah. all of these programs are all uh, fantastic and all all have value. But I will say, I th- one that really struck me in in a unique way was our U visa program. Um, you know, the U visa program is one where we we help people uh, get legal status to stay in the United States who have been victims of, for example, domestic abuse. And I personally got involved in one of these cases a couple of years ago, and my first thought going in was, I don't know anything about immigration law. I don't think I really add any value here. And what struck me once I got involved in the in the process was that dealing with the bureaucracy of large government agencies, dealing with the reams of forms that have to be filled out, can be extraordinarily intimidating for anyone, but particularly for someone for whom English isn't a first language, someone who may be living their lives in the shadows because they're worried about their legal status. And it was perhaps should have been obvious to me, but wasn't and became a real eye-opening experience for me to simply say that even without knowledge of immigration law, simply the ability to work my way through a thicket of government forms was something that was a huge hurdle for someone uh, who might benefit from this program, and they might never have been able to do this without me simply being there to help them lead lead them through the process. And it's often, I think, uh, a hesitation for folks getting involved in pro bono because they say, look, how can I help in these areas? That's not my area of specialty. I don't know this area of law. And I think what many of us learn, and I think we all should learn, is you don't actually have to be an immigration specialist to make a tremendous impact on someone's life who is dealing with an immigration issue, or you don't have to be a high-powered litigator to actually help someone in a particular situation in court. What you actually know as a lawyer or even just as someone who's used to dealing, working your way through various government agencies and whatnot, don't take it for granted about how powerful that asset and that knowledge is to someone who's really living their life life on the margins. And so for me, 
it's not that that program is more valuable than others, but for me, it was a particularly eye-opening experience in the impact we can have in pro bono far beyond what we might think we do going into it. In what direction would you like to see pro bono move going forward? You know, I would. Lo- I actually think there is an opportunity for pro bono to become even more integrated into lawyers' development. And part of that reason is that I think the entire legal profession is going through fairly significant changes. We have been going through it for some time now, uh, and we continue to. Law firms are continuing to figure out their business models and how young lawyers get trained, for example. When I was coming up through law firm, you know, as first, second, third year associates, you spend a lot of time doing document reviews, things like that, that on which the profitability models of many law firms were built. That work is all moving away from large law firm firms these days. And law firms are increasingly becoming sort of high value add, specialized legal service practitioners. And the the kind of more routinized work is being handed to, you know, legal um, either offshore firms or specialty firms that can do it at a much lower price point. And one of the challenges, that, that there are many challenges that that presents as the legal profession shifts and changes, but one of the challenges is how do young associates get trained where, frankly, corporations like us refuse to pay for first-year um first years to work on on projects because we know that they're not bringing a lot of experience to the table. How do law firms find work to get young associates up the learning curve so they become those high-value-add specialists? I think one of the answers to that is law firms and companies doubling down on pro bono, throwing a lot more resources at it, which has great benefits to the communities in which we live and work, but also provides great training for young lawyers. And so I would like to see pro bono increasingly become integrated into the training for young lawyers. Uh, That's going to give us a lot more resources for pro bono and fill the void that we're beginning to see crop up in that training opportunity for young lawyers. And so uh, I would love to see pro bono move in that direction as part of solving some of the larger problems we have cropping up in the legal community and legal services industry. Excellent. Um, I think we've covered the bases and more, but is there anything else you'd like to talk about that maybe I haven't touched on? No, I just would kind of end where I started, which is pro bono is so important for all of us in the legal community. And I think for those who are involved in it, you know that, you know how gratifying it is, you know how important it is. And for those who aren't, I will say again, it's easy to be intimidated in feeling like you you don't know where to get started. You don't know if you have the right skill set to bring to this. There are a lot of programs out there that make it very easy for you to slot right in, to bring the expertise. There's a lot of need out there, and I would encourage everyone to do it. You, You make a big difference to the community, but I think you'll find you get a huge amount out of it yourself. Well said. Thank you again, Craig. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on this podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview with Craig Silliman, Executive Vice President and General Counsel of Verizon Communications. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will join us again for future episodes of the CLOs and Pro Bono podcast series. To stay up to date on our podcast, subscribe on iTunes or visit cpbo.org podcast. 
In the meantime, make plans to attend the 2016 PBI Annual Dinner on November 3rd in New York, where we will celebrate the 10th anniversary of the CPBO Challenge Initiative and all of its signatories. For more information about in-house pro bono and the CPBO Challenge Initiative, including information on how to sign up, check out CPBO's website at cpbo.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.